Gotham? Joker's back in town. <laughs> Hello folks, and welcome to episode 20 of Legends of the Batman, a podcast covering everything Batman from the beginning. Each episode, we take a look at a Batman story going roughly in order of publication. Right now, Batman is still pretty young, so he's only appearing in comic books, uh, namely Detective Comics, as well as his own uh, quarterly self-titled book. But hopefully we'll get to the newspapers and serials and, and the like down the road. As for the we in that, that would be we, your hosts, namely myself, Michael Bradley. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And this episode, we are kicking off our coverage of Batman material from October 1940 with a look at the Batman story from Detective Comics number 45, which thankfully offers a much more satisfying story than the one from issue 44. Definitely. Before we get into that, though, I had something I was going to mention last episode when we were doing our little news roundup, and and I forgot, and Kaiser didn't remind me because <laughs> he didn't know. But well, he didn't know I was going to mention it. But uh, while we were on our hiatus, we hit our 100th Facebook follower. Yay! I have no idea who it was, but thank you, 100th Facebook follower. Yeah, you were you were vice president in charge of watching that, and you. Well, I think unfortunately we had like. Three friend or three likes that day, and I don't know which one was first. So bummer. I I, I, I was impressed that our Facebook followers kept going up even though we weren't putting out new episodes. Yeah, that's the power of Batman, probably. Probably, yeah. So you ready to get into the actual story? Sure. All right. Let's do it. Well, like I said, Detective Comics number forty-five. It had a November nineteen forty cover date, and was released around October 3rd of that year for a price of 10 cents and it had 64 pages. Our cover is by Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Rousseau. And we see Batman leaping over a wall to save Robin, who is tied to a tree and about to be punched in the face by Sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> so what do you think about this cover? Um... It's cool. I feel like we're kind of seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Like, uh, you know, last week yeah, Robin saves of... Batman. This week Batman saves Robin. Next week Robin's going to save Batman again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not badly drawn. There's just nothing spectacular about it. Yeah. So I, I think I might like it a little more if, it's, if the sky wasn't bright red because mm -hmm. that's just a little off-putting to me, but... That's the colors failing two covers in a row now. <laughs> well, they often color the sky red. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just a little. Yeah, I'm looking forward harsh. to when it when it like we said last week it starts pertaining a little more to what we're actually reading. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know how soon that happens. I'd have to look yeah, ahead and tell you right offhand. But, but anyway, our 13-page Batman story was written by Bill Finger, penciled by Bob Kane, inked by Bob Kane, Jerry Robinson, and George Rousseau, lettered by George Rousseau, and edited us by Whitney Ellsworth. The Joker. What man or woman does not tremble at the sound of that dreadful name? What new terror will he strike upon them? Where will he strike next? Soon, only too soon, will they know. And soon, the courageous Batman and plucky Robin, the boy wonder, will oppose the mad Harlequin of hate as they enter upon the case of the Laughing Death. And our story opens as five men approach a museum late at night. After knocking out the caretaker, they enter and begin their dubious work. Suddenly, the totally awesome Batman bursts in and proceeds to make quick work of the thugs. As police sirens approach, the one thug still standing makes a run for it, and the Batman follows him to a pawn shop. He follows the crook inside, but is surprised to find the shop completely empty. He begins to search for a hidden panel, while next door, the crooks enter a music shop opened by A. Rakaj. Rakaj chews the thug out for bungling their mission but the crook says that the Batman interfered. After thinking to himself that fate always sees to it that his and Batman's paths cross, Rakaj tells the thugs to bring the rest of the crew tomorrow night for a new job. Once alone, Rakaj descends and descends through a trapdoor into a hidden room and begins removing his outer clothes and makeup to reveal that Rakaj is the Joker. <gasps> As he sets about his plan to get revenge against District Attorney Carter, Outside, the Batman, having been unsuccessful in finding a hidden door in the pawn shop and unaware of the goings-on next door, decides to keep an eye on the place. The next day, Carter, the district attorney, receives a vinyl record that was sent to him anonymously and decides to play it. As the record plays, a violin is heard playing a strange, unearthly music. The music then abruptly stops, and the Joker's voice explains that, the, that as the record spins... The needle is causing a deadly gas to be released from the grooves on the record, and soon the DA slumps over dead with a ghastly smile on his face as the record repeats a macabre laughter. News of Carter's death quickly spreads through the, through the public, including to the home of Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. That night, the Batman, who is watching the pawn shop, sees a group of men exit carrying music instruments. The men call on the members of the Terry Manners Orchestra, tying them up and taking their place at a ball held at stately Schuyler Manor. About the time the folks realize that they're not musicians, the crooks pull guns from their instrument cases and have the people put their valuables into a bag. But before they can leave, the Joker enters, holding up the holdup men. About then, the Batman also crashes the party, kicks butts, takes names, and then pursues the Joker, who is fleeing on foot. One flying tackle later, and the Joker is taken out. But the Harlequin of Hate responds, clobbering Batman twice with the bag, knocking him out just long enough to make an escape. The Batman comes to just in time to hitch a ride on the back of the crook's car and follows them back to the pawn shop. Once there, he watches as the crooks slide a blade into a crack in the wall to access a hidden panel. Rakaj berates the thugs for letting the Joker get away with the jewels and then slips into his secret room, removing his makeup and laughing at his double cross, only to be confronted by the Batman. But the Joker is prepared and traps the Dark Knight within an airtight, shatterproof glass dome. 
He then makes some cryptic remarks about traveling across the ocean to get a treasure and takes his leave. The Batman is able to use a vial of acid from his utility belt to escape the dome and then searches the Joker's lair for clues, finally discovering a newspaper clipping with the headline that reads, SS Oriental to bring $500,000 Jade Buddha to U.S. and miniature Jade Buddha encrusted with valuable gems to be sold to buy food, clothes, and medical supplies. <laughs> Sometime later, Rakaj is brought on board the Oriental after feigning a plane crash and steals the Buddha. But high overhead looms the bat plane. After sneaking onto the ship, the Batman attacks, but after a brief scuffle, the Joker runs onto the deck of the ship. Thankfully, Robin is also on hand and is able to keep the Chinese delegation at bay while the Batman pursues the Joker. Our hero is finally able to knock the Joker overboard and save the Buddha. After wondering if this is the end of the Joker, the Batman then returns the Buddha to the very thankful delegation, and he and Robin fly off into the sunset. The end. Yay. Good story. Yes, much, much better. Nobody woke up at the end. Right. So, great splash page. Opening splash page. We're returning to some killer splash page. Artwork here. Yes. Yeah, we're we're only on page one, and I'm already enjoying the story more. I mean, Joker playing the uh, I put fiddle in my notes for some reason, but it's it's a violin. He plays the violin. It just feels very ominous. I'm not sure there's a difference between a fiddle and a violin, other than who's playing it. But I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I love Golden Age Joker. I think his face is just uh, incredibly wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, it, there's a panel later on I made a note about that it looks a little wonky, but, yeah. but here it looks really good. And there's just so much detail in the background. I mean, all the books are drawn in, and mm-hmm. the relief on the table and this urn or, or whatever it is here on the table is really nice. Yeah, and he just has a very distinct face for this era, so yes, I, I like it. I like the, the sheet music down here, too. It says Symphony and Murder, Yeah, which would have actually made a nice title for the story. Yeah. Maybe we should think about adding a best opening splash page category to our year review. That would be cool. But uh, Robin the Plucky Wonder, I think that was his original. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. They they kind of strayed a little bit there, huh? Yeah. It was hard to read that with a straight face during my synopsis. (laughs) Um, We got Batman on Patrol. Yes. Very cool. That's doesn't happen too often, so it was neat to see. Well, was he patrolling, or was he... Hmm. Well, I don't know. Scoping out the museum. I guess I it mean, doesn't really matter either way. Because every, one way he's keeping traps on criminals, and the other way he's out patrolling, so both are cool. Yeah, and every time he's, you know, quote-unquote patrolled so far in these stories we've covered, it's always getting right to the point, so... Right. We don't know if he's just been minding his own business and saw these guys, or if he knew about them from <laughs> something else or what. Um, Joshua Slade is the owner of this private museum, so New York millionaire number 4,685, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, I have more I, – I have some individual page-by-page notes, but these first four opening pages here are just really great. I, I mean I get a real Zorro vibe, the way he's swinging around on the museum decor and, and using the lance to – pole vault over the crooks yeah it it would probably be a little bit better if batman's dialogue was all stripped out and he was just 
silent through the whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, He's again, not that's do this that anymore. era. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be quiet so, anymore. And at least his puns aren't terrible this time. They're, yeah. You know, I, didn't, I didn't roll my eyes at any of them. I think Robin brings out the worst in him, so... Probably. When he's by himself, it's not as bad, I guess. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that seems to be a strategy the last couple melees he's been in, is, is he, he'll s- swoop in and surprise everybody and knock over a few, one or two guys, and then make his way you know, to higher ground. Uh-huh. And then get them to chase him, and then he'll turn the tables and you know, either barrel down back on him again or push something on him or... Whatever, like a giant statue? Like a giant statue, yeah. <laughs> or I think another time he like slid down the stair railing and knocked him over and stuff like that. That was when he said, I haven't done this since I was a kid. And he was, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, but I like that because I'm not really a fan of Batman confronting eight armed people or five or however many is in this scene directly. Yeah, this is a little more believable, I think. Yeah. Stick and move and keep them confused, and and you may survive it. So, But all in all, just a great opening to the story, and it made me forget about the lackluster that was the land behind the light. And apparently there was a, a blue suit discount sale in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> they are all wearing blue suits. Well, that one guy's in like a checkered suit, I guess, but yeah. Even, even the guy who answers the door is in a blue suit. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't notice that when I was reading it, but you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, between that and Batman being blue, it's just everybody was just blue, 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 blue. It's kind of funny. But Well, at least they moved past the, what was it, green and orange mm-hmm. that, that they were in the first several stories. True. Uh, but we also get a reference here to Bruce Wayne's college days. Yeah. About him pole vaulting in college. That's pretty cool. Yeah. This is the first reference we've gotten to Bruce's pre-Batman days, aside from the origin. And sliding down the stairwell. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've never talked about... Well, I mean, we had that montage of him training to be the Batman in the origin. Well, that, that's well, it, that was yeah. the origin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's about it, really. Does... I had a question in my notes. Does... If if you knew if the, the him being a college athlete, if that's still held post-crisis? Like, I don't... I don't know that I've never seen the college athlete part. I've definitely seen college references. I've seen college references in that in that story we talked about before, the man who falls. Okay. Um, but in that he was like pretending to be a slacker, so I doubt he did a lot of sports. Um, he was pretending to not pay attention in class and fall asleep and stuff, and you know his his college peers kind of hated him because he was just a rich snobby boy. Basically, his Bruce Wayne persona. His Bruce Wayne persona, but right. he was going to class pretending to sleep, but really trying to pay attention and absorb as much as he could. Mm. Um, and then the only other time I've heard about, read about college or heard about college was I think Batman Begins made a reference to it, him coming home from college and quitting because he wasn't going to go back or whatever. It was a waste of time or something like that. Mm. Nothing about sports. But you'd think, well, I don't know if he would outwardly show off his physical abilities if that was his if Batman was his ultimate plan but I don't know it makes sense to me that he would play sports in college since he you know started training young and Mm -hmm. he obviously has the physicality to do it and he's got enough money to go to a good school but it doesn't necessarily fit with the 
persona of the modern day Batman. But I can see it in the Golden Age. Yeah. When he's a little lighter. Yeah. Because even like, you know, that the Adam West TV show, Adam West could probably hold his own just as well as Batman. Right. Or uh, Bruce Wayne in that show. <laughs> I think I remember him getting into a few fights. So the dichotomy between Batman and Bruce Wayne weren't, wasn't quite as as uh, defined, I guess. Diverse. Diverse, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on page three, when when Batman is swinging from the chandelier, mm-hmm. the guy says, "The way that guy flies around, you'd think he was a bird." <laughs> and or, and my my snarky response was that does he not know bats fly too? <laughs> right. And, uh, can't take Phil anywhere. God. <laughs> but my more serious response was wondering if this was maybe a uh, a nod or a reference or. Take off on you know Superman's "It's a bird, it's a plane." Yeah, slogan that that opened up the radio show. Could be, but that could just be reading into it too, since I Heck, you know, it, the Superman stuff. But Superman can't fly either, so you know. <laughs> well, he was in the radio show at this point. Oh, was he? Uh huh. Okay. The only thing, well, other than this being a really fun scene, the thing that I got took away from it was, I bet you, uh, Joshua Slade would probably have rather Batman just let them steal his jewelry because by the time Batman was done with fighting these guys, he had wrecked a lot more expensive stuff. <laughs> like a 40 foot statue. Yeah. Sorry. I broke your 15 foot statue. Your I guess. 15 foot one of a kind priceless statues, but <laughs> you know, they didn't get those necklaces. So that's cool. Yeah. He pretty much could have killed those guys knocking the statue over, I think. Yeah. So the guy gets, one of the guys get away, right? Gets right. away. Um, just blows right through a window, it looks like. Um, and Batman goes after him, so that's cool. I like the shadow on the, or above the door when he, Batman opens it, goes into the pawnbroker shop or whatever it is. That's pretty cool, yeah. Uh, I was curious, though, why is he going in the same door here? Because if he is, the hinges are suddenly on the wrong side. Are they? Yes. Oh, I see what you're because saying. Because when... Yes. The, when when Pete the Crook or whatever his name is goes in, there it opens to his right. But when Batman goes in, it opens to his left. Well, that's the trick. It's a trick door. Okay. No, I don't know. I just made that up. I didn't even notice that. I assume it's the same door. I mean, why wouldn't it be? So they must have just missed that. Yeah. I, I did like, though, and I didn't notice it on my first read-through. And, you know, they had the reveal on the next page of who... Uh, Rakajes, but if you go back and look on that panel, you can see in the background how the the second window there says A Rakaj Music. Yeah. So I thought that was nice that they kind of put that in there. Um, so here's how dumb I am. Okay. Um, I don't know why I was reading it funny, but I didn't notice the period after A in A Rakaj. So I'm reading it like the store sells Rakaj. <laughs> I'm like, what's a rakaj? Is this some 40s thing I've never heard of before? You know. Uh huh. And for the, I read it that way at least the first three times it said rakaj, and then finally I decided to Google it. Right, like, okay, let's figure out what this, what a rakaj is. This might be important, you know. And <laughs> I instantly knew my error when, when I. <laughs> When I, I googled Rakaj, and the first thing on there was a profile from LinkedIn, uh, 
of a guy who was named Joker Mr. Rakaj. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, A Rakaj. I get it. Wow. Like Albert Rakaj. Okay. In, in here, I had a note that Rakaj might have been a little more surprising had they not shown the Joker in the opening splash, but apparently it fooled you, so... I didn't even... It couldn't even have fooled me because I didn't realize it was a name. I don't know. Oh, oh, okay. I thought it was like a thing, something you sell. What do you, <laughs> the store is selling rakages or something? What's a rakage? I don't. Know. <laughs> <sighs> That'll have to go on our list of things we learned. Yes. Rakages aren't aren't real things. No. Uh, but uh, this is the Joker's first appearance in Detective Comics. Yeah. True. Huh. And he won't appear again until early 1940. Well, he won't appear again in Detective Comics until early 1942. So this is his um, fourth story. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he had two in Batman number one, and then the then the, the cat one in Batman two was the Catwoman story. Yeah. Right. Okay. With Catwoman. After his surgery. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. I I kind of wonder if we should maybe pay attention to the stories because I'm curious if. The detective comic stories are more detective-oriented mm. with mysteries and that kind of thing, while the Batman stories are more action and superhero-oriented. I didn't go back and look at the, the past ones, but I may oh, do that. It does seem like these last two stories are very Robin Light, except for the fact that he dreamt the entire last story. But right. But it was, like we said, it was mostly focused on Batman, it seemed like. Um, and this one's definitely, I mean, Robin may, may, may as well not even have been in it. Yeah, he wasn't needed at all in the story. Yeah. Um, so where were we? Okay, so Batman can't figure out the secret door. Right, Batman fail. Very unlike the greatest detective ever. Um, I kind of like that, just because, you know, these days, no way Batman would not figure that out. You know, Batman figures everything right. out, and that, right. gets, that gets tiresome after a while when... You know, this guy's when just he can in, do everything. Yeah, he's yeah. just and knows everything, and he's in, you know he's like, yeah. Says the guy who's a Superman fan. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like um, I don't know if there's any James Bond fans out there, but you know, to me, like Sean Connery didn't know, you know like in Goldfinger. You watch Goldfinger, he doesn't know anything about gold, right? They have to tell him how it works. And not that he's stupid, he just. Has never had to do that before, you know. Right. So he doesn't know anything about it. But then you go to like the Roger Moore era, where the guy's just an expert on Fabergé eggs. Expert, you know. <laughs> like why? Why would you be an expert on Fabergé eggs? But sure. Why not? Yeah, you are. That's the real question. So, it's kind of cool. I guess it's also kind of a hero fail, though, that he can't figure it out. But at the very, well, at the, as long at as the, they don't make him inept. Yeah. You know, he he can not be an expert on everything and still be a hero. There's a there's a line there. Yeah, and at least he didn't do what he normally does, which is, well, I guess I'll just go have some breakfast and right. wait for five more people to die and then follow up on some leads. Yeah, yeah, he did decide to stake the place out, which I really liked. Mm -hmm. But on page five, I, we get a great shot of the Joker again here in panel four. Mm -hmm. Great shot and a great caption. Mm -hmm. I really like their descriptions of his yes. of his ghastliness or whatever you want to call it. A dead white face, dead white mask-like face with cold black eyes, yeah. while the mouth is drawn into a repentantly terrible smile, the smile yeah. of the Joker. Yep. Um, I could just tell, I don't know, I just feel the love for this character these guys have. 
Yeah. Um, he's cool. Yeah, very. He, he's definitely Batman's... Just based on his appearances that we've covered on the show, he, he's definitely the strongest villain Batman has had. Yeah, he's officially had the most appearances, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Because well, we, yeah. I mean, four. Four versus, I think, Catwoman's had two and Hugo Strange had two. Doctor Death had two. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's double anybody else so far. That's cool. And I kind of like here that he is going after his enemies like mm-hmm. he was in his first story. I mean, it yep. doesn't say specifically, but I imagine that Carter, you know, put him away at some point. And I like that the Golden Age Joker, so far anyway, has very specific and thought-out plans. Yeah. And they've been very consistent in his his portrayal. He has two motives, revenge and money. Revenge, money, and don't work with him. Yeah. Double-crossing, yes. Double-crosser. Right. Um, To be fair, most of Finger's villains so far have been driven by revenge or money. But eventually the Joker is going to be known for – more for his random acts of chaos than, you know, specific plans on getting revenge on these people. Yeah. And unlike a lot of, unlike the other ones, he's still got a flair in him. Yes. That's different than the, than what we've read before. Like his, he doesn't just want revenge. Like he's going to come up and shoot you. He wants to make it uh, an art. He has like an art form about it. Or yes. what am I trying to say? He wants Panache. to make, yes, exactly. That's a good word. Which uh, leads good to my next note, actually. I was going to say that I really liked – it was a neat comic booky idea with the record releasing the poison gas. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would work in real life, especially not in this day of <laughs> CDs and digital music. But but in a comic book from 1940, I am perfectly okay with it. Yeah. It's better than the um, telephone call that he did. <laughs> right. In Batman number one. Joker! Yeah, yeah, like he used his vibrations to shoot a, something in some guy's ear. This was cooler. Uh, it would have been a lot creepier, though, had he not put his voice on the record. If it would have just turned from the music to the the macabre laughter, and then yeah. the guy dies. Yeah. But, Plus, it gives the guy a warning. He could have just taken the needle off the record. but Yeah. It's probably too late. Well, that's kind of what I got because as soon as the Joker says that, he says, oh, the Joker, what? I, I, I feel so queer. I, and then seconds later, he slumps over. And you know what's really cool is when the police come rushing in, the uh, the Keystone cops yeah. come uh, rushing in, I instantly thought, well, how come they're not dying? That's dumb. And then the very next panel. Exposition time, thanks ex- to Robin. Yeah. Exposition to why they didn't die. And I was like, wow, they actually – Finger actually thought about that. That was kind of neat. And we have Bruce Wayne smoking a pipe here again. Mm-hmm. Continuing still, in the streak. Still hasn't kicked the habit. Nope. My next note for this page is, is nothing. Because they're... When I, I did my notes before I did my synopsis, and I thought they were coming out of the music shop, but they're coming out of the pawn shop. So he would think that that was suspicious. Right. Right. And that's him following up on what he's actually supposed to be following up on. So Right. That's pretty cool. Um, But again, it's funny. There definitely must be some sort of blue suit sale going on because all the musicians have blue suits too. Uh Uh-huh. Wow, every single person in this comic, except for Carter and the Joker, have blue suits on. Yep. How funny. Wow. Must have been a new color they could 
mess with or something. But that can't be true because Batman's been blue for a long time. Even even the Chinese delegation at the end of the story, they're all wearing blue except for one guy. He's in green. And nobody wanted him to come. <laughs> on page seven here, the, this panel on the bottom left, it's kind of cool that he's taken out, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six guys at one time, but it's very awkwardly drawn. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Kung Fu Can-Can. He's a master of all martial arts, even the really silly-looking ones. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Joker double-crossing his own guys. Mm-hmm. It's very consistent. He's done that in every story. Well, no, that's not true. I guess he only did that in the Batman number two. Um, right. Because he wasn't he working did, with anybody in the first he one. He wasn't working with anybody, right. But everybody he's worked with, he's double-crossed. Yep, So. yeah. Um, page eight. I, I liked here though, and I kind of talked about it in my synopsis, but you know, you have the party, which is crashed by the holdup guys, mm-hmm. and then the Joker interrupts them, and then Batman interrupts the Joker. So it's yeah. just like this continued, you know, breaking up of the party. Somebody, somebody sitting somewhere is going, this is the best party I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> right. Uh, cool page tackle eight. on page eight. Yes. Yeah. I love that. It, it would have been better had it been drawn so you could see one of their faces or both of their faces, but yeah, mm. just cheering on the Batman as he tackles the Joker. Yeah. Um, and really, this this whole page is not the most dynamic of fights, but you know, I like how the Batman tackles the Joker and, and then the Joker gets up and and uh, gets the upper hand on Batman, basically, yeah. you know, because they they've been portraying them as very much physical equals, and I really do like that. Either physical equals or I guess physical equals because they did have a sword fight in his last appearance, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like the Joker, even in, by today's standards with you know Uber Batman and all that, that um, you can't underestimate him physically because he's it's kind of like trying to catch a, a, a you know wet pig or something like that. You know, um, I don't know. I always feel like he gets the upper hand when you're when you're uh, when you think you've got him. He weasels out of it somehow. Yeah. Because that's what he's done. He did that. It, he's done that at least one other story that we've covered. The first, his first appearance, I think, where he thought he had him, and then he just whips around and clocks him. Oh, up. right, right, right. In the right. Yeah. And I like this little panel of Batman on the back bumper of these this guy Joker's car, or not Joker. No, it's I, it's I guess, the Crook's car. Yeah, the musician, the fake musician's car. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny. Um, all in all, I think. What do you think of the Joker's plan? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty smart. I mean, you get some other poor schlubs to do the work for you, and then you know, double cross them, but they don't know that you're double crossing them, so you can keep using the same crew to to pull more jobs, and then double cross them again, which yep. works for me. And keep all the money. Right. It's pretty smart. But we get to <laughs> we get to the bottom of the page, and. and um, the Joker traps Batman in, in this giant glass dome, mm-hmm. and I just wondered if he maybe got that from what's his name in the case of the Chemical Syndicate. Yeah, how to how to create a hamster torture device. Right. The handbook, the same handbook that guy read. <laughs> hamster gas chamber. I think his name was Jenkins, wasn't it? 
Or I Jen- would have to look back. I don't know. It's Jennings or something like it's, that. It's been like nine, ten months ago when we covered that. But. I know. Uh, that's funny. You always got to wonder how they rig those things. Like that's. Yeah. But then again, he has a secret passageway. I don't know. He must have spent a lot of time in this place. Uh, page ten. This is the one I was talking about, where the Joker looks a little wonky. The first panel on page ten. Yeah, he looks a little, ha- um, uh, yeah, like he's medicated or something. But <laughs> right. And then, uh, not, not just to jump ahead real quick. The bottom of page eleven, he looks completely different there than at the top of page ten. Yes. But he's not smiling there either. I noticed. No. He has lost his ghastly grin. Yeah. But they're still pretty consistent with like the way they draw his nose and his receding hairline and yeah and uh, all yeah that they've been stuff. a lot more consistent with him than Batman in his first say year worth of stories or Robin's head from panel to panel. Right. <laughs> um, page go back to page ten for a minute. I, points added for using the utility belt, but. Mm-hmm. Points off for such an easy out of the death trap. I mean, he just whips out acid and. It's a pretty lame death trap, though. It's like, well, yeah. let me put you in a glass tube. Oh, gee, how do I get out of this? I mean, how about you a wrench? He could have just, just knocked the thing over. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's. I don't have a wrench. Nice it's, reference. It's not like it's magnetically sealed and filling with water or gas right. or something like that. It's just a glass thing. I don't know. Although, there's a. I just noticed, because on page 9, I thought it was the side of the wall, but there's like a metal rod from the top of it. If you look in the third panel on page 10, mm-hmm. that lowered it down, so maybe that's attached to the ceiling and he couldn't just knock it over. Well, I figure he could just punch through it, but maybe it's not glass. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's some hard plastic or something. Uh, the narration... The narration and the Joker both say it's glass, but it's shatterproof glass. Oh, shatterproof glass. Yeah. Okay. Well, even that, you know, considering what he has in that belt, he could pretty much, yeah, not the biggest, not the biggest puzzle for Batman to solve. Yeah. Is this the first time it's been called a utility belt? I saw that in your notes, but unfortunately, I didn't see it until about five minutes before we started recording this, so I didn't really have a chance to look. But um, I don't remember it being called that before. But that doesn't mean it wasn't. Okay. I don't I'll know. look into that. Yeah, we'll look into that. Tune in next week, kids. Um, the uh, New York Times or the New York Gazette or the whatever really, really, really needs to stop posting big headlines about people's money. <laughs> yeah. This is at least the second story where <laughs> where they do like you know, extra, extra millionaire duchess to take her collection of precious stones to her unguarded vacation beach house located at 555 Rodney Lane, you know? <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Stop that, doing yeah. that. Pretty much putting the target on your back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. At least it made it easy for Batman to figure it out. What do you think? So we already we said we liked Joker's initial plan. What do we think of his boat robbing plan? Robbing the boat is fine. I question the efficiency of crashing an airplane into the ocean <laughs> yeah. and the safety of it. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> it's a, you know. I, like, what's his escape plan exactly? Yeah, and there's that too, yeah. Kill everyone and just take the boat? 
unless he was going to steal the lifeboat. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of bizarre, but when you attribute it to the Joker, it kind of works for me. Because yeah, but the Joker's not in, he hasn't been portrayed as insane in so that's far. true. That's just me putting it on him, I guess. But yeah, not really. I don't. I don't personally don't think the Joker is insane by criminal definition. But um, uh, nor is anybody in comic book villainy that I can think of. But um, he does seem to be wild. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, in that sense, this plan kind of works because it's just like he's like wild and straightforward. I don't know how else to explain it. It's like you're going to rob a bank, you just go in there and shoot people. Um, you're going to rob a boat, then just, I guess, crash the plane right next to it. I don't know. Seems to he's work. Very, he seems very brazen. I mean, if you if you think back to Doctor Death and Hugo Strange and Catwoman and then all the other villains that he's faced, it's always been you know like a group of thugs. Or someone hiring some thugs, or, or doing something rather, rather small. Um, yeah. But the Joker, he's doing this big heist by himself. Yeah. Which is much more in your face than any of the other, any of the other villains have been. But even the way he kills people is too. He draws way more attention to himself than he needs to. Right. Just because he likes it, I guess. Um, Return of the Batplane. Yes. I should have looked up. Oh, I think I did look up. Last time we saw that was in the New York World's Fair issue. Wow, that's been... I guess it hadn't been that long ago. Well, for us it had That was May 1940. Yeah. So about four or five months. They used it to break up a prison riot. Right. Where the big telephone pole (laughs) was just laying in the middle of the field. Right. (laughs) It doesn't seem to have a propeller on it anymore, which is cool. Right. I, I knew mean, something looked different about it, but I just couldn't pinpoint it. Or not is that the right word, propeller? You know, the part the helicopter aspect. Um Yeah, propeller. Yeah, that that works. Yeah. So I don't know, very it's, nice it's shot. More, it's more than act, it's more like an actual plane now rather than a mm-hmm. a helicopter or a gyro. Right. Robin knows how to fly, apparently. Yep. So that's cool. In a very awkwardly drawn panel. Yeah, he's that reminds me of that panel he drew where Batman and that lady were in the car. Right. Yeah, Bob Kane has some serious perspective issues. Yeah. Um, and Robin's proportions are all off. I mean, his his arms are like... <laughs> it's just messed up. I don't know how to even fix it. <laughs> his head is way too small for the size of his torso, and his arms... Are are like dwarf arms. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, there's a there's a name for disorder for that, but I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it's just messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure where Batman was sitting because the cockpit clearly only <laughs> holds one person. Yeah. Good point. So. Just standing on his shoulders the whole time. Yeah. Maybe he was riding on the wing of the plane. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Batman would die leaping from the water from that high up, though. Well, how high high up are they, though? Well, look at the panel on page 10. Yeah, but maybe they swoop down on page 11. I don't know. Could be. Can't see the water. But actually, they probably weren't thinking that because 
it seems like even in today's world, it seems like people think that water will save your life. So, right. As long as you fall into water, you're okay. (laughs) And don't mind a broken back, right? Right. Um, The Joker says, "It's mine. You can't take it away from me." Classic villain mistake. Yep, because that means someone's going to take it away from him. Right. It's mine, and no one could take it away from me. Guess who pops in? Aren't you forgetting about me, Joker? I like the next one, though, where he says, Joker says, I'll... I guess he's point, holding out a gun at him, and Batman knocks the gun away and says, you'll nothing. Yeah, because he, he knocks the gun out of his hand, you see it flying in the panel there. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good comeback. Um, that's a Slam Bradley comeback right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they live in the same city. They probably... <laughs> right. Trade trade notes at lunch or something. Okay, on page 12, I actually had a note at the very bottom. I don't really understand the narration box because from the dialogue, it sounds like they know exactly what's going on. Um, well, they say a masked man, so that's Batman they're talking about. Right. He must be a thief. The other is trying to save the Buddha. It's all it's all out of order is the problem. There's okay. Like, there's like four different people speaking, but if you read it in that order... The Jade, the Jade Buddha, a masked man. He must be a thief. The other is trying to save the Buddha. And then they all think Batman's chasing the Joker because the Joker... Oh, well, when you read them in that order, it makes sense. Yeah, but I was yeah. reading them clockwise, and it didn't make any sense at all. So. Yeah, he must be a thief. The Jade Buddha, a masked man. The other is trying to save the Buddha. So we have to go by the caption, I guess. I don't know. Okay, that works. But it is interesting because at the end of this book... They're so thankful for the Batman to talk about what a great man he is. Mm-hmm. Does that mean they they must have known who he was before? Maybe he introduced they... himself. Ah, okay. he has little business cards printed up, a <laughs> right. little resume on the back. You know, stopped Hugo Strange since such a date. So I also know a lot about computers. <laughs> uh, moving on to page thirteen, since we're already there. Robin finally does something. Very yes. Cool. It's ultimately inconsequential, I think. Yeah. But, you know. So I like that that most of the story was just Batman. I mean, I don't, oh, yeah. like I said, Robin wasn't needed in the story at all, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. It's nothing against Robin, but solo Batman is pretty cool, too. Yeah. And I kind of miss having that. Exactly. I've been, in, you know, joining Robin, it was fun, especially when he first came on board, but it is definitely nice to have some, you know, Batman time too, especially when they focus on Robin. It seems like it's always to get the the kids' vote and right make him as cornbally as possible. So, and I did like this panel of him busting through the the, the delegation line. Mm-hmm. Although I think that's exactly like a panel we had in an earlier story. Yeah, it was it was Batman at that point. Yeah, but it's it's like they're. He's running at the camera and everybody's falling over and you just assume that he's making contact in some way. Right. But he's really not, so it's interesting. But I also like this panel of Batman after where he jumps on the conveniently placed um, you know, gymnastics bar and, <laughs> right. and leaps up onto the Joker's shoulders and then knocks him over. That's just a great uh-huh. sequence right there. Yes. It flows really nice, actually. That's like a good... Um, what do you call those animated uh, storyboards or something? Right. Yeah, and they actually spent four panels on that. And yeah. A lot of stories, they would have just done that in 
one panel and describe out describe the action in the narration. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. But Batman thinks uh, thinks to himself if if this is the last of the Joker, and I just want to tell him no, no, <laughs> it wasn't the last three times. What what makes you think this will be any different? <laughs> right. Yeah, stop punching him overboard. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> considering this is 1940, I was pretty impressed by th- with the way the the Chinese people were portrayed. Yes. Yeah, I really appreciate that they aren't outrageous stereotypes, um, either in their depiction, the visual depiction, or their uh, dialogue. Uh, yeah. And we actually haven't had any of that um, awkwardness yet that I can remember. No. I mean, even... Wong, the, yeah, his, his China Chinatown contact was yeah. fairly decently drawn. You know, Wong was awesome because he was like his first um, cohort, right? So that was kind of neat. Um, and then they yeah. killed him. Yeah, they killed him. It was sad. Um, they make a reference to war stricken, or Batman makes a reference to them being war stricken, right? So, and I guess that's because. China was invaded by Japan well before World War II. Could be. I assume that's what he's talking about. But I don't really know. I don't really know what the state of China was in 1940. I should have looked that up. Well, yeah, I think they were invaded two years before World War II starts, and it wasn't any better after World War II started. Okay. But it's a nice little, well, not nice. It's a little, uh, you know, hero's hero Batman speech. Right. It's everyone's duty to make things easier for war-stricken people. In fact, I'm going to make a t-shirt out of that. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, Batman's not really the mysterious Dark Avenger anymore. It seems he's 95% the people's hero now. Yep. He's a swashbuckling doer of good. Just think, there goes a man who places his very life in danger so that others may live in greater security. No man can make a greater sacrifice for his people. He is truly a great man, this this Batman. Oh, okay, see. They haven't heard of him before. That makes more sense. Um, yeah. He's the hero they need, not the hero they deserve. <laughs> Good story. Yes. Yeah, I love this from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, the art was a little wonky in the last half or so, but, but the writing was great. Um, there wasn't a lot of plot, really, but sometimes... Batman kind of skulking around and punching guys to save the day is all you need. Yeah, and I was thinking it's like, you know, we kind of saw the same thing the last, at least two of the Joker stories. The third one was a little off page with the whole Catwoman and the right and the castle and the surgery and the sword fighting. But <laughs> this one was, you know, I'm getting revenge. I'm getting revenge in a weird way, and I want money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that twice before, but for some reason it just works anyway because it's the Joker and it's fun to read the Joker. I had no problem with it. I liked it. Yep. And like we said already, it was nice to have Robin step aside for a little bit and let Batman let let Batman be the hero of his book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've read ahead, and I know that Robin is going to be a, a significant part of the book mm-hmm. from pretty much here on out. But I, I hope we get I hope we get these stories every once in a while where it's just Batman for most of the story doing his thing. Yeah. If you're interested in reading this story, it's been reprinted twice, first in Batman Archives Volume 1 and in Batman Chronicles Volume 2. It always surprises me when a Joker story has only been reprinted twice. Well, there's but, just been so many. I mean, they, they, yeah. 
they've done a greatest Joker stories ever told trade, but yeah, volumes one, two, three, four, and five probably. <laughs> they could probably do it. Yeah. Yeah. How about how about the Joker Chronicles Volume One? Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing as Batman Chronicles, I guess. Yeah, but. pretty much. Hey, this is Bane. Listen to this promo for the BatmanUniverse.net, or I'll break you. The BatmanUniverse.net, your source for all things related to the Dark Knight, including the latest news related to the comics, movies. TV, merchandise, video games, and much more. Each month, an assortment of podcasts are produced, including a bi-monthly comic podcast, special commentaries and interviews, the Batman Universe specials, and a podcast which delves into TV, movie, merchandise, video game news, and beyond. Keep up to date with everything about Batman, get to know the kooky and lovable casts of the podcasts, Listen to in-depth conversations about the latest direct-to-video movies and increase your knowledge about the Dark Knight and his family only at thebatmanuniverse.net. I'm Dustin from thebatmanuniverse.net and I approve this message. Alright, so after this awesome story, there was an ad for what we will be talking about next week. Batman number three, which was on sale on October 18th, apparently. And then after that, we have a Bart Regan spy story, which, by the way, I guess they're just calling it Spy now. I don't know when that started. I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. Um, But it's just Spy now. No more Bart Regan. And it's by Jerry Siegel and Ed Moore, and it's called Glover Green. I guess it was probably a boxing story or something. Well, the guy's wearing green gloves. Yeah, then we have that monthly book review that's not really a review, we don't think. And it's about a book or a short story or a poem or something called The Voice of the City by O. Henry. Should have looked up what that was, I guess. I'm looking right now. Wasn't O. Henry a poet? The Voice of the City looks to be like a short story. Okay. And after that, we have Six Pages of Larry Steele, Private Detective by Erwin Hasen, called The Lady Cab Driver. Six Pages of The Crimson Avenger by Jack Letty called, man, this is going to be a a fun one, The Agita Pulverizo Ray. (laughs) And that's actually a title that was assigned to it after the fact. It was originally untitled, but so that's fun. Um, Then we have Six Pages of Speed Saunders, Ace Investigator by Ed Winiarski and Fran Miller called The Bowling Bull Bombers. Two-page text piece called Open Evidence by Clem Gordon and Fred Ray. Six pages of Steve Malone, District Attorney, by Don Lynch called The Airplane Murder. Six pages of Young America's Hero, Cliff Crosby, by Chad Grothkoff called Murder at the Polo Games. And lastly, once again, eight whole pages of Slam Bradley by Jerry Siegel and Howard Sherman called The Charity Racket. And that's it for Detective Comics Does he say 45. Does anything cool in the splash page? He sure don't. I oh. think those days are gone. Too bad. Yeah. Outside of outside of Detective Comics, DC had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books. First up was Batman number three, which we'll begin our coverage of next episode. There was More Fun Comics number 61 with a nice Dr. Fate cover by Howard Sherman. Adventure Comics number 56, Flash Comics number 12, uh, with a brand new strip called Les Sparks Radio Amateur by Don Cameron. Huh. 
which sounds even less interesting than uh, District Attorney Steve is it Steve Malone, District yeah. Attorney? Okay, yes. there you go. And there was All American Comics number twenty one with a really great kind of modern looking Green Lantern cover by Sheldon Maldoff. And we had Action Comics number thirty one and a second issue of More Fun Comics, issue sixty two with Fred Ray taking over the art on Jerry Siegel's Radio Squad. And cool. that's it. Kind of a dull month. Yeah. Okay, well, we got anything else to say about Batman? Ugh. Detective Comics number 45? I don't think so. Glad to have kind of the old-school Batman back for an episode, especially yep. after the dream sequence from last episode. And the Joker, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was thinking the story we covered last episode – if you discount the dream part of the part of the story, that was our first story without Batman. Oh, you mean because it was uh, Robin dreaming or Dick Grayson dreaming, and then Bruce Wayne showing up at the end? Right. We didn't yeah. have. If you discount the dream part of it, we didn't have any costume Batman in that story. Well, and since the dream isn't quote unquote real, I guess we didn't. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to keep up with the show, we have a website that you can find at batmanlegends.com. There you will find notes on every episode we've ever done, as well as our RSS feed, link to our Facebook and Twitter pages, and a link to our uh, YouTube address as well. YouTube? I'm sorry, did I just say YouTube? (laughs) (laughs) I meant to say iTunes, but okay. YouTube. I look for us on YouTube. Also, see if you can find it. Um, also, on the website is a. Con- I don't think they want us doing a video podcast. <laughs> Probably not. We have faces for radio. Um, right. Also, on the site is a contact form where you can drop us a line and let us know what you think. We read all emails here, so unless you tell us not to. Um, speaking of iTunes, not YouTube. We are also found on there, and it'd be great if you could leave us a review for that as well, because I think the more reviews we get, the more likely we will show up in a Batman search, which is always good. Um, positive reviews are are more welcome than negative, but whatever you want to say, go for it. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, Mike and I also have other shows. He has a Steve Malone district attorney show. That he's been doing. <laughs> I can't even get through that. Um, 200 episodes and counting. Yeah. Actually, he talks about some guy named Superman, and you can find that at greatcrypton.com. It's called The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, where he's essentially doing what we're doing here, only with Superman, talking about Superman from the beginning with the Golden Age. Um, he's also on a show which he co-hosts with Jeffrey Taylor and, and J. David Weider called Green Lantern's Light, where they talk about Hal Jordan and company in the uh, Bronze Age. And I am on a show called The New 52 Adventures of Superman, where we are talking about, hey, the 50 New 52 Adventures of Superman. And that is me and John Wilson, and also, again, J. David Weeder. And you can find that at new52superman.lipson.com. Next episode, we are going to be trying our new format, where instead of taking the entire book, we're going to be uh, looking at one story from... Batman number three called The Strange Case of the Diabolical Puppet Master. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next week. See ya. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and copyright DC Comics.